Awesome. Well, hey, happy 2020. How are you guys doing out there? Happy New Year? Huh? Okay. All right. Awesome. Uh, If I haven't met you, my name's Tim. I get the honor of serving as one of the pastors here. And uh, excited for this new year. Fresh starts, new beginnings. Uh, Excited that uh, this week actually marks one year that we've been able to be a part of the Central family. Uh, Yeah. My family and I, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's, uh, It's flown by. Flown by. That's for sure. Uh, well, some people have said that you can't move forward until you pause long enough to, to look back. And as I look back over my life, I realize at this juncture, man, I have been blessed with everything that money cannot buy. I have a smoking hot wife that loves me and I love her dearly. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, thanks, Chris, for clapping extra loud. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, three kids, man, it's, it's awesome. God has been so good to me. Uh, but if I were to be very candid with you this morning, I would have to acknowledge that I never thought I'd be here. Uh, Not that I never thought I'd be in San Jose, California, that would be true. Uh, But I never thought I'd be here, like in a church, Uh, much less on a stage in a church, uh, talking to people like you in moments like this. Uh, You see, for me, I grew up in a Christian home, awesome parents. They're watching online. Shout out to all of you watching online, my mom and dad, especially to you. Thanks for being with us. We're glad you're here. It's awesome. Uh, But my parents, they raised me to honor God, to do what's right, even whenever it's hard. Uh, but in elementary school, fourth grade, I started experimenting with uh, smoking weed and, and taking hallucinogens. That snowballed to my sophomore year of high school to a full-blown cocaine addiction. And I would do anything to get a fix. I would steal from my parents. I would steal from people I love to full-blown house robberies. And cocaine was just dictating my life. And um, my parents, between my sophomore year and junior year of high school, they moved away to a smaller community. And uh, my buddies at the time were getting arrested. Some of them were signing up for the Navy. They need to get out of town, just get, get away from the, the, the whole scene. And uh, about that time, I, I moved in with my parents again and, and got off of hard drugs. And uh, it was a small community, small town. Uh, it wasn't really for me. So I moved back to a larger town and started selling. And so my junior and senior year of high school, man, I thought I had life figured out. I was making more money than... Uh, I, had, I could manage at the time. I was able to help friends and family members out whenever they had a financial need. Uh, I mean, I thought I was living the good life, right? This junior and senior year high school kid, a sweet car, good, good friend, I had my own play. It was awesome. So I thought. Then uh, one day my door got kicked in and uh, the dope was stolen. The safe that had the money was stolen. Guns were stolen. Uh, and I had my back against the wall, was kind of hopping house to house, uh, living with different people trying to get back on my feet. Uh, and then right before it would have been my prom night, this car that I thought was awesome, you know, as I was a high school kid, I thought, man, I got this car, it's awesome. And it was totaled. Had my back against the wall, wasn't sure what to do. And so I, I called up my mom and dad and I said, hey, you know, mom and dad, I know I've done damage to our relationship. I know I made some mistakes. I haven't, haven't honored you. I haven't honored the family. I've, I've really blown it. Uh, but I'm in a pinch and I don't know what else to go. So, so, would it be okay if I moved back home? And this was the time whenever the phones were still connected to the walls, right? So they're like talking it over. My dad comes back on the phone. He says, Tim, I want you to know something. Our, our home will always be open to you, but I need you to know that if you're going to live under our roof, uh, we're going to serve the Lord. And so it's going to be our expectation of you that you would attend family devotionals three nights a week if you're going to live in our house. And I was like, that's awful. <laughs> It's like worst news ever, but I can't pay rent. Okay, when, when can I come? I'm coming, right? So I moved back in with my parents three nights a week. Uh, sit down, my dad would read a chapter, mom would read a chapter, they'd talk about it, they'd pray, and 
I'd go stoned. I'd let them know, hey, this is good for you, not for me. Uh, 18 months this goes by. Persistent. They stick with it. And uh, one night my dad was reading Proverbs chapter 1. And in Proverbs chapter 1, about halfway through, it says this. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you. And I would have made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, you would not give heed when I stretched out my hands. Since you ignored all my advice, you would not accept my rebuke. I, in turn, will laugh at your disaster. And it just continues on in, in that vein. And, and we're going to come back to that story in just a moment. But from that moment in Missouri to this moment in San Jose, California, I've learned a couple principles that can bring freedom into our lives. If you're going to experience freedom in 2020, if you're going to experience the good life that God has for you, I believe applying these four principles to your life will be essential. Some of you here, man, you're in high-tech industry. Some of you are, are business owners, entrepreneurs. Your family's doing great. Life is thriving. Everything's up and to the right, and that's awesome. I'm so glad you're here. Some of you are here, and perhaps you're a high school dropout, and you're chained with addictions, and you look around you, and you look at 2020, and the only thing you see is dead ends, and I'm so glad that you're here. Maybe you're somewhere in between on that spectrum, but I guarantee you, if you apply these four principles to your life in 2020, you'll experience an elevated life. You'll experience the life that God has for you, a life that brings freedom. So turn to someone next to you and say, get ready, get ready. Thanks, Rod. <laughs> I need a drink. That's why I need you to get ready. <laughs> All right, so the first principle is this. If we're going to experience this elevated life, we're going to become the people that God created us to be. Uh, we got some notes here in your program, your seat on the way in. If you want to follow along, you can refer to the scripture references and verses uh, later on and fill in the blanks if you'd like. But the first fill in the blank is this. The elevated life is a surrendered life. The elevated life is a surrendered life. It, it seems an interesting paradox that the life of freedom actually begins with surrender. Now this is true. It's not just true for people in AA. It's not just true for people in NA. It's true for you. It's true for me. This is a biblical principle. Until we embrace a life of surrender, we'll never experience all God has for us. Check this out. Jesus said this in Matthew 9, 39, or 10, 39. If you cling to your life, if you hold it tight, you try to control everything, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But... If you give it up for me, you'll find freedom. You'll find life. Matthew 16, 24 through 25, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, you want to cling to your life, they'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. Uh, Again, I'm from Missouri, so um, please excuse the illustration. Um, but I have a niece, and uh, she's awesome, uh, close family. We used to get together all the time for family dinners and, and hangouts and, and game nights. All this stuff is awesome. I love hanging out with my family. Uh, but back in Missouri, we're at my aunt's house, and we're over for dinner. Behind my aunt's house is this creek bed. Right, and so there's this, this rock bed right here, and there's this stream that goes, goes through it, and there's fish there, you can catch crawdads, it's, it's awesome. But in the springtime, uh, these little frogs come out, 
And uh, we walk along these creek beds, right, and you can catch these little frogs. And, and they're like this size, and, you know, we, we'd pick them up. Normally we skip rocks, but whenever frogs are available, you throw frogs. So we pick up frogs, throw them in the water, right? Frogs, psh, 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 bam, fish eat them, right? We help the ecosystem. We're feeding fish. And so we, we pick up frogs, we're throwing them, psh, 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 boom. It's awesome, entertainment. And uh, my niece, she's four or five at the time, and uh, she, she realizes that uh, she likes frogs. She thinks frogs are cute and awesome and adorable, and it's great. But she realizes Uncle Tim picks up a frog, frog goes in the water, frog doesn't come back. And she goes, Uncle Tim, you're hurting the frogs. I'm like, I'm not hurting frogs, I'm feeding fish, we're fine, like this, this is good, this is, what, this is what we do. Uh, my cousins throwing, fit, throwing frogs, feeding the fish. And, uh, and she, she starts getting worked up. She goes, Uncle Tim, stop hurting the frogs. You're hurting the frog. Uncle Tim, stop hurting the frogs. And she's, she's trying to rescue frogs as fast as she can. This motivates her cousins to throw frogs as fast as they can. And <laughs> this frog frenzy is going on. And, uh, and she, she gets really worked up. She's emotional, crying on the creek bed. And I'm like, hey, boys, okay, hey. Alyssa, we're not going to hurt any more frogs. Boys, frog time's over. Let's go skip rocks. We're skipping rocks now. So uh, we, we play down there for a little bit longer. Go back to my aunt's house for, for dinner. We walk back, and uh, Alyssa is still very emotionally charged. Uh, she's still very upset. Her, her fists are still clenched. She's still uh, crying a little bit. We're, we get called in for dinner, and I was like, hey, you know, Alyssa, come, come sit down. Let's talk. You know, Uncle Tim needs to tell you. Uh, you know, I, we, weren't, we weren't hurting frogs. We were feeding fish. Let's get our story straight before we go inside. And uh, <laughs> yeah, let's wash your hands. You know, we got we to gotta, we gotta get this right. And, uh, and my niece, she's like, you should not have hurt the frogs. Uncle Tim, I'm so mad you hurt the frogs. I said, oh, you know what, I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't have done that. I won't, we won't hurt any more frogs today. We're going to go inside. Uh, but, but we need to wash your hands, so let's, we got to open up your hands, you know, let's relax a little bit. She opens up her hands, and she has two fists full of dead frogs. In her effort to save life, she took life. In her effort to protect, she suffocated. For you, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. My question for you today is what have you carried into your hand in this room today? What's in your hand? What is that thing that you cling to? What is that thing that you hold to so dearly? And you say, you cannot hurt this. Don't touch anything, but don't touch this. And as you start off 2020, I would just invite you to allow your gracious Heavenly Father to peel back your fingers. Because the, the good life, the elevated life, a life of freedom begins with surrender. Give it to him. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. He's a good God. He's got good things for you. If we're going to experience the elevated life, we're going to, we're going to experience freedom. We've got to embrace surrender. But let me be very clear about what surrender is not. Surrender is not the same as passivity. Are you guys getting feedback from this? No? It's just me in my head? All right, thanks. All right, very good. I'll grab this. Good. Oh, hey, we're hot. All right. So surrender. We've got to embrace surrender. If we're going to experience all God has, we've got to embrace the surrendered life. But here's what surrender is not. Surrender is not the same as passivity. Surrendering to God will lead you to a daring adventure that will require you to be faced with some circumstances that are often very challenging. 
God's will for your life involves exercising creativity, making choices, and taking initiative. Surrender does not mean being a doormat. It does not mean that you accept circumstances fatalistically. It often means that you'll have to fight and challenge the status quo. It does not mean that you stop using your mind. It does not mean that you stop asking questions. It does not mean that you stop thinking critically. Surrender is not a crutch for weak people who cannot handle life. Instead, surrender is this. Surrender is simply the glad and voluntary acknowledgement that there is a God and it is not me. There is a God and it is not you. We let him call the shots. Surrender means, God, your, your purposes, your plans are far wiser than mine. You created the universe. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Holy smokes, why would I think I can call the shots when you've done all this? God, I'm surrendering my life to you because I believe that you have a better plan, better purpose. Even my feelings, my circumstances, my friends, my family tell me something different. God, because you say so, I'm going to do it. I'm surrendering to you. In moments, I'll be honest, it can feel like death. But I'm just telling you, it's the only way to real life. The journey of experiencing the elevated life begins with embracing a life of surrender. Second observation is this. Uh, the elevated life is a meditated life. Meditated life. And not to be confused with medicated life. Meditated life. In Eastern religions, meditation is emptying your mind out, right? Like, so where you reach a state of nirvana, it's dumping everything out. Christianity, however, is actually filling your mind up. It's trying to absorb God's word, meditating on God's word, marinating in truth, filling your thoughts with God's thoughts. There's this guy in the Bible named Joshua, and we're actually going to be doing a, a, a series uh, on Joshua, and in the month of February, we're going to start that off. And so you can, if you want, begin reading the, the book of Joshua. Uh, but this guy named Joshua, he takes over for this dude named Moses. And uh, Moses has led this nation called Israel uh, out of bondage in Egypt. Uh, he, he's led them through the wilderness. What should have taken just a few days has taken over 40 years because they were disobedient. And, and now he's handing over the reins to this guy named Joshua. He's about 120 years old. He's an old dude. Now Joshua's going to take over. And, and here's the situation. There's 600,000 men that Joshua is taking over the reins for, not including women and children. So, so multiple millions of people that Joshua is going to begin leading yeah, he's on this brink of taking over this leadership position. And, and here's the challenge. They don't have a home. Uh, they're wandering in the desert. Uh, they have this promised land, but they don't yet have it. They haven't taken the land yet. And so Joshua comes on the scene, and, and this is his charge. And I don't know what you're up against in 2020, but Joshua has some, some big, big tasks ahead of him. And here's, here's how Joshua is going to be successful. In Joshua 1, beginning in verse 7, the second part of that verse, it reads this. Uh, this, is, this is God speaking to, Mo, uh, to Joshua, and he says, Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Why? So that you may be successful wherever you go. How is Joshua going to be successful? He's going to marinate in God's word. He's going to apply God's word to his life, and he'll be successful wherever he goes. Verse 8, uh, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Here it is. Meditate on it. Marinate in it. Think about it day and night, that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Check this out. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. How, how is Joshua going to be prosperous and successful? How are you going to be prosperous and successful? How are we going to experience freedom? How are we going to experience this elevated life? we got to meditate on God's word. Let his thoughts fill our thoughts. Let it shape our actions. Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight 
is on the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates, he marinates, he thinks about it day and night. Not just on Sunday, not just on Tuesday, but day after day, day and night. First thing in the morning, last thing at night, he's marinating. He's thinking about God's word. And here's the results. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, it prospers. If you were to ask me, Tim, what's one thing I could do in 2020 to elevate my life, to experience freedom this year, it would be this. Meditate on the word of God. Let it fill your thoughts. Think about it day after day. Let it, let it fill you. This was a bondage breaker for me. Here's our theme verse for this series that we're in. If you're like, I don't even, I don't really read the Bible. I'm not that type of person. Don't really know where to begin. Memorize this. John 8, 31 through 32 says this. If you hold to my, this is Jesus' words, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You can experience freedom this year. We can walk in freedom this year. How? Meditating on the word of God. Marinating in it. This guy named A.W. Tozer, he wrote this quote. He said, the man who has struggled to purify himself and has had nothing but repeat failures will experience real relief when he stops tinkering with his own soul and looks away to the perfect one. While he looks at Christ, the very things he's so long been trying to do will be getting done within him. Listen to me, some of you have been struggling with the same thing over and over and over and can't find any relief, can't find any freedom. And here's what my advice to you would be, stop thinking about it. Stop tinkering with it. Start looking away to God. Memorize his word. Meditate on his word. Let your eyes rest there. Meditate on it. You'll find freedom. Stop tinkering with your own soul and start looking away to the perfect one because in him there is life. In him there is freedom. Meditate on God's word. So we've learned the elevated life is a a life of surrender. It's a life that's, that's meditating on God's truth. Third, the elevated life is a communicated life. It's a life that is communicated, communicates with God. We, we embrace this prayer culture. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Every promise in the Bible, I believe this, I, every problem that you face in 2020, I believe there's a promise for you attached to that. I, I just believe that. I'm, I'm convinced of that. This morning, uh, I was up early, was reading, just my, my daily reading plan, and I've been struggling with a couple things I'm processing, working through, and I feel like God gave me a promise this morning for that problem. And I'm just telling you, whenever you get a, a promise for the problem that you're up against, there's hope. You're like, God, you see me, you know me, we got this, let's go. And it just, it just changes the game. But it, for every promise, there's a premise. Every promise has a premise. Here's the premise in this promise. Call to me. Call to me. That's the premise. Here's the promise. I will answer you. And I will show you great and unsearchable things you don't even know. This guy named Bob Boudin, he, he wrote this book called Two Chairs. And it's a, it's a very simple book on prayer. Uh, he's not a pastor. He's not a theologian. He's actually an executive that, that talks about how prayer has shaped his life and some principles that he's applied to to becoming um, this, this man of prayer. So if you're interested in some practical ways to, to grow in your prayer life, check out this book. Uh, Bobby Dane, but he, he talks about, you know, like, uh, how about those Niners, by the way, football, uh, whatever, a quarterback, yeah, yeah, we're excited for the Niners, especially for the Chiefs, if I do my job, we'll get you out of here by kickoff, uh, Chiefs, big game today, um, whenever a quarterback gets knocked on his back, they, they come up to that quarterback, and, 
and try to just ask him some simple questions, right, to make sure he's cognizant to kind of regroup his bearings, right? Whenever life punches you in the mouth, there's three simple questions that you can ask yourself to regroup, to regain your bearings. And I would encourage you to, these are in your notes. Uh, I think I've already given them to you there. Uh, but I want you to, to think about these and apply these to your life in 2020. Because, you know, 2019, let's be honest, there's a few moments that, that sucker punched, right? There's a few moments that, that kind of punched us in the mouth. Uh, and if history holds true, 2020 will probably have some of those same scenarios that play out. Uh, but, uh, but, but here's the good news. Uh, God's with us. God's for us. Mike Tyson says this. Uh, Everyone's got a plan to get punched in the mouth, right? Yeah, I like Mike Tyson. It's great, great theology for Mike Tyson. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. You got some New Year's resolutions. You got some plans, some goals, some objectives until you get punched in the mouth. But when you get punched in the mouth, ask yourself these three questions. First question is this. Does God know your situation? Does God know your situation? And we're in church today, and so, like, you're like, oh, yeah, for sure he does. But whenever life punches you in the mouth, do you feel like God knows your situation? Do you feel like he really sees you? Do you feel like he's really with you? Does he know what you're going through? Does he know what you're up against? I'm just convinced from scripture that, and we would probably agree, most of us in here, that there's a resounding yes to that question. God sees your situation. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6 says this, Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I'm at home to rest. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord. You go before me. You follow behind me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too, too wonderful for me, too, too great for me to understand. Listen, he knows everything about you. The details of your life. He, he, does he see your situation? Does he know what you're, yes. Some of you are here and you're up against it. Life's already punched you in the mouth in 2020. You need to know that you know that you know that God knows your situation. Second question is this. Is your situation too hard for him to handle? Now, again, I know we're knee-jerk. We're in church. Yeah, for sure. He can, he, can, he can work it all out. But when you're really in it, do you believe that he can handle your situation? Is it too hard for him to handle? The answer would be no. Isaiah 40, 25 through 31 says this. This is the Lord speaking, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. Look up to the heavens. Who created the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling them each by name. By his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores my rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his Understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. Is your situation too hard for the God who created the universe? No. 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 I feel like that's pretty good. The psalmist, in Psalms 3, he said, said, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, who am I? Who am I? Sometimes we just need to pause and take a step back. Stop, stop fixating on the situation. Stop fixating on whatever is consuming your life. And just say, wow, God, you're really big. 
I think you're actually big enough to handle this. I'm going to surrender this to you. I'm going to meditate on all that you are. I'm going to believe that you have the power to help me in my time of need. And the third question is this. Does God have a plan? Does God have a plan? So, so if we believe that he sees our situation, we believe he's big enough to handle our situation, then, then okay, put me in, coach. What's the plan? What's the plan? Does he have a plan? Yes, he does. Psalm 139, verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Even 2020 was recorded in his book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. He's got big plans for you. Plans that would blow your mind if you knew him right now. But you walk in faith day after day. You submit to him and say, oh, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want from me, I'm going to do it. He's got big plans for you. You say, okay, awesome. That's great preaching. So what's the plan? Matthew 7, here's the, here's the answer. Ask. It'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Then he, then he uses this illustration. He says, which of you, if your son asks for a piece of bread, you're going to give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you're gonna, you hand him a snake. Imagine this. You go pick up your kids after the service. And they're like, Daddy, Mommy, I'm so hungry. Can we go to McDonald's and get a Happy Meal? You're like, you can go play with a rattlesnake, kid. That's what you can do. You're like, Dad, I'm so famished. Can we get pancakes? You can go chew on gravel, son. On your worst day, you don't do that. Right? On your worst day, you don't do that. Verse 11, if you then, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God has good things for you, but we've got to communicate with him. That's why we're dedicating this first part of 2020 to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because I am convinced by scripture that there are some things in your life you will not experience if you don't seek God, if you don't call out to him, if you don't cry out to him, if you don't, you don't set some things aside and say, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to set these things aside. I'm going to fast these things. Because God, more than, more than my physical sustenance, more than TV, more than social media, whatever you want to set aside, more than any of those things, God, I just need you. Because God, if you don't come through for me, I don't know. All bets are off. I do know that. Some of you maybe have asked, why, why are we doing 21 days of prayer and fasting? I believe there's this biblical principle threaded throughout the entire Bible that, that is referred to as the law of first things. God is a very jealous God. He wants your full devotion. He desires your full attention. And here's why we set aside 21 days to say, oh, God, the first part of our year, it's yours. You're here on Sunday to say, oh, God, the first part of my week, it's yours. I need you. I'm giving you the first. When you wake up tomorrow, I encourage you, give him the first, the first of your time, the first of your attention, the first of your, your mental capacity. Watch how God shows up. Watch how God shows up in your life. It'll blow your mind. The disciples, they were commissioned by God, and, and Jesus told them to go out and cast out evil spirits, heal them, preach the kingdom. They go out, and they're preaching the kingdom. They're, they're driving out evil spirits. They're healing people, and they're, like, blown away by this. Until we get to Matthew chapter 17. And there's this man who has this son who, who is demon-possessed, and this, this, this evil spirit, like, tries to throw him in the fire and, like, kill him and do crazy stuff to him. And so this dad calls the disciples and is like, can you help my son? Like, you, parents, we get this. Can you do anything to help? And they try, and they can't. So they call Jesus over, and Jesus 
talks to them about having faith and, and then cast out the evil spirit. And then, then they're recapping the, the scenario that just took place. And they're like, what's up with that, Jesus? Why couldn't we do it? And he says this in Matthew 17, about verse 21, somewhere in there, 26, we got on the screen. 21, there it is. This kind, what you're up against, what you just encountered, that only changes through prayer and fasting. I'm just telling you, there are some things in your life, some breakthroughs that will not happen if you don't pray, if we don't fast, if we don't call out to God and say, oh God, we just need you. More than anything else, we just need you. Uh, on the uh, table right outside these doors, there's these, these cards. You say, I don't even know what to pray about. Well, here's a list. Be, be praying for these things for us as a church. Be praying for things in your life personally. You say, I don't even know what, what fasting is. Well, there's some ways you can fast. There's some resources here for you to, 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 to experience fasting, what that means. Maybe it's your first time fasting. Uh, there's a lot of things you could fast. Uh, some of you, for dietary reasons, um, aren't able to fast food, and that's, that's fine. But, but do something. Uh, biblical fast is normally food-related. Uh, but, but here's what I would say to that. It, if it matters to you, I believe it matters to God. So give up something that matters to you. Set that aside and say, I'm going to, some of you are fasting TV. I've, uh, we were talking about that earlier. and Social media, whatever it is. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Jump on the bus. Watch God do big things. Dr. A.J. Gordon, he said this. You can do more than pray after you've prayed. But you cannot do more than pray until you pray. Listen, we got to pray. We, gotta call. we need him so much. Listen, as the pastor of this church, we need God big time. We can't do this on our own power, on our own strength. It's, it's just not going to happen. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary, he said this, the saint that advances on his knees never retreats. Listen, if we're going to experience victory and find freedom in 2020, we've got to advance on our knees. We've got to call out to God. We've got to put him first. So the elevated life, surrendered life, it's a communicated life. It's a meditated life life. And then fourth and final observation is this. The elevated life is an action-oriented life. Action-oriented life. Uh, in James, James 4.17, uh, it says this. Re remember, remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. Right? Like, <laughs> how many of us are guilty of that? I, me. I'll raise my hand first. Like, I know, sometimes I know what I should do, and I'm just, I'm just not doing it. But in 2020, let's make a commitment to say, if I, God, if you tell me that I should do something, I'm going to take action. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a woman of, of action this year. Thomas Watson, the former IBM CEO, he said this, nothing so conclusively proves a man's ability to lead others as what he does day to day to lead himself. And I'll just confess, the hardest individual I've ever had to lead in my life is this guy that you're looking at right now. <laughs> Sometimes he just don't, won't do what I want him to do. But the degree that we take action on the things that we know we need to do will be the degree that we experience freedom, will be the degree that we experience all God has for us in 2020, will be the degree that we experience this, this elevated life. Well, back to my story. Uh, so I was there at my parents' living room, just read Proverbs 1. It hit me right between my eyes. And I just thought, man, if, if this Bible's true, like if God really speaks to people, I, I think maybe he just spoke to me because it was so descriptive of my life. I would get in a pinch. I would get in a jam. I'd get arrested, whatever the case may be. And I, I'd pray. I'd say, God, you got to help me. Get me out of this. And then he would. 
and I go right back to living the way I always had. And that night my parents lived in, it was almost like God drew a line in the sand and said, Tim, are you going to get in or are you going to get out? But make a decision. Take some action. So that night in my parents' living room, I said the, this sinner's prayer for like the 50,000th time, expecting God to really like just change me, right? I, I kind of always had this thought in my mind that because my life wasn't changing, that maybe God wasn't too interested in me. But now what I realize is that he was just waiting for me to take some action. But so I say this prayer again, and, but the difference this time, I really tried. Like I tried to quit smoking. Uh, I, I shaved my beard, like cut my hair. I guess I've backslidden since then. I was like, whatever Christians do, that's what I want to do. I want to look like you guys, right? Be a Christian. And, uh, and that lasted for like a week. And, uh, and I just realized, you know what, I, I can't do this. God, whatever you're asking me to do, I just, I can't. My buddies called me up, and I, at this time I'd written them off because I was like, hey, you know, you guys are living that lifestyle, and I just can't do that because if I hang out with you, I'm going to get sucked back into that. And, um, and my buddies called me up, and they're like, hey, you know what, Tim, we respect the decisions you've made, and, and we're not going to make you try to force you to do anything weird. Like, we, we just miss our friend want to know if you'll hang out. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll come. And, uh, and that night I blew it and uh, went home that night. And just got real honest with God. And I just said, you know what, God, like, if hell's what you have for me, I just, can you just take me there now? Because, like, I deserve that. I know that. I've heard a lot of people I love, heard a lot of people I know, heard a lot of people I don't even know. So, God, if I'm going to hell, like, can you just send me there now? Because I'm kind of done with this life. I'm tired of being a failure. I'm tired of hurting people I love. But, God, if you want this life of mine, you can have it because I'm done living it. And I fully anticipated going to hell that night. It sounds super weird, me saying that to you in this setting. But I, I really thought I was. Because what did I have to offer him? I was so jacked up. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have anything. But I didn't go to hell that night. I woke up the next morning, I remember my commitment to God. And I said, God, you can have my life. So what does your word say? Whatever it says, I'm going to do it. I started meditating on God's word. And I began to experience a little freedom as I began to apply it to my life. And, and, and I would go out on my parents' back porch at night, and I would look up at the stars. It was not a city. And you could see the stars, and I would just lay there on my back and think, oh, God, you created all that. What would you want with a guy like me? And I just started, man, what an invitation that you would allow me to talk to you. And I just said, God, whatever you want from me, I'm going to do it. And the best I could, I started applying the word of God in my life. And the same four principles that brought freedom to me 18 years ago, the same principles that will bring freedom to you in 2020, same principles that allow me to walk in freedom this year. So live a surrendered life. What is it that you carried in this room that you just need to lay down? You've been holding on to it for a long time. You say, anything but this. Maybe it's your need for control. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is, I'm just telling you, he's big and he's good and he can handle it. Surrender it to him. The elevated life is a meditated life.
How can you fill your thoughts this week with God's word? Maybe it's making a screensaver on your phone with a verse. Maybe it's a post-it note on the mirror. Maybe it's a post-it note in your car. Whatever works for you. You're like, I don't even know where to begin. Choose our theme verse for this series, John 8, 31 through 32. If you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. The elevated life is a communicated life. The creator of the universe. Never lose the awe and wonder of that. That the God who made you formed the mountains, created fish and giraffes and hippos like he's awesome and creative and has a sense of humor. He wants to talk to you. May we be a people that never lose the awe and wonder of that privilege that Jesus has provided for us. Take action. Take action. Zig Ziglar said this, is there one decision you could make today that would make tomorrow better? Is there one decision that you can make today that would make tomorrow better? Whatever that is, take action. Do that thing. One of my big takeaways as I've reflected on 2019 that I hope to apply in 2020 is this. Don't overthink the outcome. Just do the next right thing. Whatever he's asking you to do, whatever that next right thing is, just do it. Don't let the outcome hold you up. To the degree that we're willing to take action will be the degree that we experience freedom. See him working. See him moving throughout our lives. And I'm so excited for 2020 because I know God has such big things for you. Let's pray.